recorded live. Good morning, good evening, wherever you may be, across the nation or around the world. Once again, you're listening to the VMware Communities Roundtable Podcast. This is podcast number 381. My name is Eric Nielsen, and with me today I have a good friend of mine and co-host, Tim Bonneman. Tim, how are you today? Doing great, how are you? Uh, doing great, doing great. We have a great show lined up for you today. It's kind of interesting in that we're talking about SAP today. So the VMware, VMware's private cloud solution for SAP. And on the show today, we have David Gallant. Uh, he's a product management uh, field architect, uh, and he is with us in the room today. So David, how are you doing? Uh, doing pretty good. Good, good. And uh, have you ever been on the VMware Communities Roundtable podcast before? Uh, I have not. I have not. All right. Well, welcome to the show. So thanks for being on the show. The SAP stuff sounds pretty interesting. But before we get to the to our guest in the show, we talk a little bit about the news. I don't have much with regards to news this week. It's been pretty quiet from a from a VMware standpoint. I know we have some announcements coming up in the next four weeks, uh, Internet of Things and some other stuff that we're going to be talking about. I know you guys are doing stuff in the uh, code world. Uh, what's happening there? Yeah, so I, I'm program lead for VMware Code, the developer community here at VMware, and uh, we're trying out something new tomorrow, Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific. We're going to be doing a uh, Slack town hall with the team behind the uh, vSphere Automation REST APIs and, and Power CLI and, and a bunch of other cool things. And it's going to be one hour open Q&A on Slack. Um, so check out our blog, um, code, uh, the code blog for info to how to get in. Um, should be a good time. And if it sticks, we might do it with the other product teams in the future. Great. Well, I know it's uh, interesting times because Alan Renouf, who runs you know, the, the REST API sets for vSphere and all the collaborating products, announced open source uh, this week. So I guess that hit, that did hit the news. Right? Yeah, that was kind of our, uh, that's the reason I contacted him. I suggest we do a little, you know, Q&A around that. Um, so yeah, they had a major announcement. This is the first time you've, you're doing a Slack, what do we call it? Yeah, we call it a town hall. It's, town hall, you know, okay. it's on Slack. It's kind of synchronous, semi-asynchronous. You can, you know, drop in and out. Um, but Alan and, and a bunch of his colleagues are going to be there and um, answer any questions that people might have. Yep, so it's just kind of a Reddit, you yeah. know, Reddit conversation. Alan, nice. Well, I know that the, it's interesting to see us do open source on the, uh, on the REST APIs. So join the community town hall once again, 9 a.m. And today is, if you're listening on the podcast in your car, today is March 15th. So that would be March 16th, yep. 9 a.m. Pacific Coast time on Slack. Good stuff. Good stuff. All right. That's all I have. I don't have any other news. I'll open it up to Edward. Edward's there. Edward, do you have any news? Oh, yeah. Right. Um I just put out release can well actually I'll be putting out release candidate for sometime this week of my security operations dashboard for VMware vSphere using VMware vRealize login site. So those people that are doing want to see get visibility into the security state of their environment, this is a great tool. It has five dashboards so far. Um, there's a sixth one coming and some changes to some existing ones with Release Candidate 4. I'm just digging those out now. It's an ever-growing project. It's on GitHub under TechSciWill, AACLib VLI for nice. you realize Log Insight. So have fun. Also on AstroArch.com, there is a landing page that gives you all the information you need. All right. Well, thanks for being on the show again. 
and uh, looking for a few more community guests to come in regularly. Uh, oh, yep. hey, Eric, this is Tommy. One last thing. Uh, vSphere 6.5b was released either, I think, yesterday or, or today. So last night. Pretty cool. You can check out what's new. Yeah. It was released last right. night. Good. It was nice. actually nice. vCenter, not, v, not vSphere. It was vCenter only. Nice. Okay. Yes. Let's get into SAP. So uh, on the show, again, we have David Gallant. David, why don't you take a, a minute or two and just uh, tell us who you are, how long have you been in the VMware ecosystem, where do you work, uh, give our audience a little bit of who you are, and uh, for people who um, follow you, you're at David Gallant BC, right, at, on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, so just tell, them, tell us a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm the product manager and the field architect. I think you, you already said that at one point. I work inside the integrated systems business unit uh, inside of engineering. And uh, I work for a team that uh, we call the business critical applications automation team. Uh, our team is responsible for creating solutions to help provision and manage business critical applications on top of the software defined data center. So think of us as uh, the, the answer to, you know, why do people stand up the SDC? Well, you know, or data centers for that matter. Um, they want to support some type of a, a, an application, usually it's some type of business critical application if you're going to lay out a lot of dollars, and that's what my team's responsible for. Um, I've been with VMware for uh, coming up on six years now. Uh, I joined VMware in 2011 in professional services, and I led a team there helping customers uh, do kind of the same thing, uh, not in an automated fashion, but deploy SAP, Oracle, Microsoft, uh, all the business critical applications on top of our uh, stacks at that time, and transitioned to engineering in 2014. Uh, prior to that, I was with SAP for seven and a half years. I was their global technical architect responsible for virtualization at SAP, and I brought a lot of the concepts of virtualization, particularly around VMware, to SAP at the time. I uh, introduced it to them. Uh, stood up a lot of internal private clouds at SAP, wrote a lot of the best practices, uh, together with colleagues here at VMware at the time, uh, on how to do that, and then wrote a lot of support notes. Um, so I've been working in the ecosystem around SAP for about 26 years as a customer, a partner, as an employee, and now again as a partner. So a lot of our listeners are IT practitioners. I would say that probably only maybe 10 or 20% of them actually spend time with SAP. Yeah. So maybe we should just pop up a little bit and talk about high-level SAP. They're in a lot of industries. Um, yeah. Let's just give us a, just a one-minute summary of SAP and what, what's their value proposition and specialization. Sure. So, yeah, so SAP is everything you want to think about when you think about the business. Uh, they are the software that drives business. So think enterprise resource planning, um, analytics, reporting, um, and then industry specific. So they create software for every industry you can possibly think of. Whether it's high tech, retail, aerospace, healthcare. Uh, they're in absolutely everything, everywhere in the world. Um, there's a saying that goes around SAP and uh, its partners that uh, 76 of every dollar, 76 cents of every dollar that's transacted in the world goes through an SAP system. Um, one of the things that, that we like to say is uh, they are responsible for somewhere around 80 to 85 percent of all the data that's running in the data center, uh, whether it's directly in an SAP system or it's running through an SAP system. So uh, if you're a manufacturing organization, you probably have things like uh, AutoCAD or ProEngineer or something like that, and they're producing models for cars and other things you're manufacturing. But a lot of that data ultimately ends up in an SAP system where it gets costed out, charged out, 
turned into orders, invoices, price lists, and anything you possibly think of. So bill of goods, all of that stuff when you have a bomb and you're trying to, you know, yeah. you, and yeah. then keep track of accounting from perspective of how, how, you know, how much are we making revenue, all, everything. Every aspect of it, yeah, everything from getting uh, inventory in on the front end to build your goods to uh, managing the customer on the other side to costing it out, all the finance, um, even in other things, like if you think of non-traditional business models, um, they're managing everything in the hospital situation or insurance companies or um, pretty practically anything you possibly think of, really. So my guess is 25, 30 years ago, whatever, they, they have a platform that, that ran business and then they started to specialize in verticals, right? Where That's right. Yeah, they got involved in different industries. Uh, a company would come to them and say, you know, we're interested in using SAP and we're, uh, we're a retail organization. We sell coaches, right. right? Well, they would go in and they'd, obviously they, that company would adopt the finance aspects, the ERP aspects, but then you get it customized for that particular uh, industry. Well, we take that information, we turn it into what we call an industry solution, and that gets deployed to the customer in a specialized way. So now you've got a special table, a special software that understands that business aspect, and we take it from one customer to the next, to the next, to the next. That's the idea. So in this space, then they must they must be seeing this transition from you know from physical machines to virtual machines, and now from virtual machines into cloud infrastructure. Where are they in that journey? Where are the, where's the typical customer when it's deploying SAP? How far have they made it into virtualization right now as an industry? Sure. Does that change per vertical? It does change somewhat per, per vertical, but most customers are more or less in the same place in their journey. They might be a little further along, they might be a little further back. There's a lot of customers right now that are transitioning off that what we call big iron and onto uh, uh, x86 platforms. There's a couple things that are driving that. They want to get costs down. They want to be more cloud-ready, cloud-like. They want to be more adaptable and flexible. And then there's new technology that's come along from SAP that is very specific to the x86 world, and the customers want to adopt that. Uh, SAP is typically deployed in multiple tiers of, of hardware infrastructure, virtual infrastructure, and then the software. And, and there's a lot of tiers that support what we call the production tier uh, that are non-production tiers. But one of the things we want to do is we want to save a lot of the the hardware infrastructure uh, in those tiers and turn them into virtual tiers. Uh, and then for the production tier, it's really good to virtualize it because you get the flexibility to move around the data center. So we like to say once you're on to VMware, you never have to worry about a hardware replatform. You can do that whenever you want. It becomes a Tuesday afternoon affair because you don't need to bring the application down. Good. Okay. Good summary of of their challenges uh, in well, virtualization. I, but I think that that's I think that's sort of short sighted, and I agree with you. There's a lot of companies that haven't moved, but there's a huge number of companies that already have moved. Oracle itself has an SAP cloud. Oh yeah. VirtuStream, sure. yeah. one of the one of the do the Dell EMC family. VirtuStream started out by basically doing some of the biggest of the big SAP infrastructures as a cloud. So right. that yep. was their business model: was you got SAP, we can put it in a cloud, and we can charge you at a, at a block, whatever their charge block was for everything, and right. simplified a lot of things for a lot of people. So. I know you're right. There are some companies that are still migrating over, but there's a large number of companies that have gone completely over to the other side. And there oh, are I, I, got yeah, clouds doing it. You've got Oracle doing it. You've got everybody doing it. 
Everybody's doing it. Yeah, you're yeah. absolutely right. It's, it's We're at a time in the industry that is under huge transformational change where all these companies are coming out of what we call the industrial era and into the digital era. And SAP companies represent a large portion of those companies that have been around for a very long time. And uh, they're trying as rapidly as they can to transform to become digital era companies so they can compete against the Yeah, I, I guess I would use the example that I have for VMware. Right? Um, so VMware, as of two years ago, ran everything on mainframes. Right, yeah. and so we, being a virtualization company, had not gotten to the x86 platform and had not gotten to right. virtualized infrastructure as well because we're sitting on mainframes, and that had been historical since 2002 when we we, we started you know moving from quick in accounting right sure. to to bigger production instances. Ended up on Oracle, then in, you know we were on mainframes and Oracle, yeah. and then it's a it's it's actually a big project to start to digest this. Stuff moving from mainframe, to, you know, to you know, an Intel-based uh, architecture. Yeah, I mean, the average company that does what we call a replatform takes somewhere between, you know, a small company will take about two years to do it. A large company will take somewhere between you know, three to five years, depending on what they're doing. And then that's just getting onto the platform. It's going to take another, you know, two, three, sometimes even longer years to get to the point where you feel 100% steady stake on that new platform. Current project, it's significant services dollars or uh, labor dollars inside the company to actually do every part. Right. And, and to, to, I think to Edward's point, there, there are a lot of people that have you know, gone through this oh, journey, absolutely. and we now have cloud providers that are actually yeah. providing, so you don't even have to jump to a virtual infrastructure. You can just transition right into the cloud yeah. world. Yeah, um, more and more I would say I'm finding it extremely rare, rare where I'm running into a customer that isn't at least at some point off the start line of doing you know, this exercise. And the good news is on our side is we're accelerating a lot of that. You know, the, the, the solutions that we're bringing to market are really helping those customers accelerate their adoption of that new platform uh, by automating, you know, as much as we can around the SAP ecosystem. Yeah. So then, so then we, we start looking at, um, you know, how many people are, are – we, we're talking about how many people are starting to that transition in one form or another. And then enter in VMware, right, where we have – Virtualization. We we clearly this is an opportunity for us to move people to the x86 architecture, make it SD, STDC, you know, design that design principle, uh, use STDC, move everything into a virtualized model. Yeah, right. um, yeah. We've we've designed specialized um, enterprise architecture to deploy SAP on top of our software-defined data center, including the entire stack. But we really look at SAP as holistically, and we break down the application to some. And we give the customer uh, a, a new, more advanced uh, architecture to go and deploy, and they find it uh, more scalable, uh, performs much better. It's highly adaptable to whatever business condition they introduce to it. So you can rapidly scale it out. A lot of it you can actually do automatically. So it can actually respond to the business demands almost by itself in some cases. Okay. So now I guess we should transition. I'll stop. Does anybody have, anybody else have any questions before we transition into you know what we're talking about today, which is the private uh, the private cloud solution for SAP, you know, a plugin um, that we have for the SAP Landscape manage, Manager. So I'll, I'll, I'll wait though. Any other questions before we we dive into what we have to talk about today? Great. All right. Uh, so. We have a solution now. We've we've introduced a new product. Why don't you tell me a little bit about that product? When did we announce it? Um, is it is it out yet? And tell us a little bit about that. Sure. So 
there's two things that, that are, are out there and available today. The first thing is uh, what we call the private cloud solution for SAP. And it's an actual solution. So it's a, a product, uh, a series of products that make up the solution and then services and education and knowledge that, that make part of that as well. Um, it starts out with a, a best practices, uh, uh, white papers that we've pulled together through VMware and through SAP that describe how to actually deploy SAP on top of our software-defined data center. And, and then it breaches out to you know, things like uh, how to put NSX in that environment, how to leverage NSX to protect the SAP environment to uh, vSAN if people want to do virtualized storage, uh, how to do that in, in that environment. And then uh, things like uh, the traditional vCenter, vServer, uh, and the like. Uh, and then it branches into the automation space. So uh, what can you do with vRealized automation? How should you do it? How can you deploy SAP? How does it have benefits to the SAP environment? Uh, you kind of get the sense of that. And then we wrap services around that to help customers go and deploy that rapidly. And then the, the core key uh, product development component to it is what we call the VMware adapter for SAP. LP. Right. So before we get into the VMware adapter, then to summarize, is this a practice? Is it a bundle? Is it something that we, is it a pricing model? Uh, when you what you just talked about with regard to the, the cloud solution, um, sure. how do we take that to market? Sure. Let's think of it more as a as a combination of all of the different products and suites that we have all coming together in uh, a form of uh, documentation and knowledge transfer, and then specific services. On deliver. Okay, so that, that that answers it. Which is there is documentation that takes about you know Absolutely. how and then there's an educational model that yeah. you know, I can do some training and learn about how to mm -hmm. how to speak this language and talk about it from an SAP perspective. Yeah. Um, and then there's services that we offer uh, right. around this bundle. Right. Okay. I'm I'm a big fan of knowledge transfer. So yeah. as 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 of course we are all yeah. right because the. The the work is in actually making this stuff work, right? Um, That's right. Getting it, getting it. Otherwise, I'd have to find a way to be in a thousand places at once. Okay, great. So, I understand that. Then now we're talking about uh, the the product that we've built that provides integration. Sure. So, if you if you if you to give you a little bit of context to this, if you look at the history of of what I've kind of just described to you. You know, we, we start out with some best practices, we create an enterprise architecture, we create some knowledge around it, and all the customers want to get to that next step, which is make it really easy for me or as easy as possible. And, and that logically leads to, okay, let's try to find a way to automate as much of that as we can. So in 2009 at SAP, we created the LVM product inside the company. It was originally created as an internal project internal virtual machines and virtualization inside of SAP. Uh, we accidentally introduced it to a sales executive. I kind of say that a little bit jokingly. Um, and the sales executive said, wow, I think I can sell this. And next thing you know, it's out the door. Somebody's selling it. Right. Selling Some it. poor engineer goes, but that wasn't supposed that, to be that was me code. saying, wait, no, that was for me. Don't, no, that was don't. Awesome. share that. Right. <laughs> right. How many so, times did we live that dream? Uh, right. Too yeah. many in my life. Yeah. Right. But, but anyway, so you skip forward to uh, uh, 2014. The product's out there is getting some adoption. Uh, they, SAP has created an adapter themselves, um, but they've come to us a couple of times and they've asked us to take over that adapter and create it because obviously we have more knowledge in VMware than anybody else. Um, so 
I was asked in 2014 with a group of colleagues in the ISBU to take a look and see if we can develop this adapter or take it over. Um, we took a look at it and we decided well, we should create our own and uh, use the best practices that we know how to do things inside of VMware. Have so, I ever seen an engineer look at a piece of code never. and say, hey, I, I want to, I just, I love that code, I want to keep working on that I code. I don't think so. Yeah. Has I that think, ever happened? No. No, 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 it doesn't. Every engineer you give, it's just, here's code. Really? It's like, you know, we need to rewrite this. We already knew the outcome before yeah. we even started, right? Right. So, and I think SAP knew that as well, being a software company themselves. But anyway, so we start a project, we develop the code. We create this new adapter. It's a virtual appliance, which has a distinct advantage over a lot of other things. It makes it really, really easy to go and deploy um, for our customers. Just, that was, just it's bundle in a VM. It's an appliance. You, just, you, know, you get it. Yeah. Deploy it, and, and deploy you, you it have and something you that's pre-configured, ready to go. You get it. Right. Yeah. So we so we created that, and we started shipping it in March of 2015. So it's been out there for a while now, and we just released 1.4.1 last week, uh, which is our latest adapter. Um, and it it goes to the next step for us. So it integrates VRA into the overall solution. So our initial provisioning and management took advantage of uh, vCenter Orchestrator and vRealize Orchestrator. And I kind of say that because we started first with vCenter Orchestrator and we've moved on to adopt the newer technology and vCenter server as well as uh, SAP landscape management. Um, the second iteration now is Okay, let's see if we, what we can do with re-realized automation. So now we can provision and manage SAP systems in multiple interfaces, and this gives our customers a lot of advantages. And you can see how that becomes kind of the key component of the overall solution, because now you've got the best practices, you get the architecture, you get the knowledge, but you can now automate a lot of the things manually before. Make sense? That makes sense. I, um, I was just reading it. Sorry, I was. Looking at the chat, somebody posted a blog article that announced the 1.4.1 uh, release out there. Uh, one of my on, colleagues. It's Thanks. on blogs.vamber.com slash apps 2017. Uh, it's a long URL. Apps slash 2017 slash 03 slash VMware adapter-sac-landscape-management-1.4.1-automate-manage-v. <laughs> You should be able to Google that though. VMware dash adapter SAP landscape management one dash four dot one. You'll find it. Yeah. But it's on blogs.vmware.com. Nice article on it. So, yeah. so well, okay. we also have a product landing page. Well, hold on. Like, all this. I got a question about this deployment model. Yeah, sure. You're saying it's an appliance. Now, exactly what is this appliance doing? Because scale is often an issue in an appliance model where you only have one of them, just can't scale out. So right. is this more for management, or am I actually going to be making SAP queries through it? Um, so think of it as a, as a bridge, kind of as a translator and a distributor of uh, commands. So when you deploy it, we connect to vCenter, we connect to VRO, and then we connect to SAP Landscape Management, um, which the, the acronym is LAMA. So if I use the word LAMA, that's what I'm referring to as SAP LAMA. And once you've got it connected up, um, you normally sit inside of uh, the LAMA product and you're running some type of an operation through LAMA, uh, which then gets translated through the VLA into a VRO workflow and then ultimately ends up as a task or a job in vCenter server. 
Um, it's really so highly effectively it's just laying it's a management construct. So the the fact is you're probably yeah. not doing millions or billions of queries through this. You're basically mm -hmm. just saying, Hey, I wanna deploy this application, here's how I deploy mm -hmm. it and Llama, go and do all the heavy lifting. Yeah, but we have, just to feel make everybody feel a little bit secure about this, we've actually tested it up to a quarter of a million transactions an hour, which is way beyond anything you're gonna see in an SAP ecosystem. And a quarter of a million sense. transactions an hour is not the scale I was thinking about, but yes, it is a high scale. Yeah. Okay. So, so that I have a diagram in front of me that you know that has an overview of that architecture, and it's it's really about you know V realized automation, you know, talks down to the appliance, which then talks over to SAP's LDM. That's right. right. Yeah. Again, we're. Well, we're do I need VRA or do I can I just live with VRL? It really kind of depends on what you're trying to do. So if you want to um, have systems uh, provisioned with no knowledge of how to do it on the SAP speak, you probably want to use vRealized uh, automation. And then I think of things like uh, training systems, test systems, development systems, where the developer just wants to get a system. They don't really care about how the soup's made. They just need to get a copy of something. Um, they would use vRealized automation very effectively in, in that manner. If you're a basis guy and you want to go and finesse and tweak around and do a bunch of different things, you're probably going to use Llama uh, for that and go through that interface. But you really have an option which way you want to go. Well, I mean, but if I'm connecting it all, the reason why I ask that is that I know a lot of people have adopted VRO. Yeah. And I, have a lot, mm -hmm. I know a lot of people that won't touch VRA with a 10-foot pole. Okay, yeah. So they're totally fine. They can just use the VRO model. And all okay. our installation guides actually walk you through the steps. So if you haven't even deployed VRO, um, we walk you right through it in our own installation guide. So you don't even need to go and get anything else. Download the installation guide. Download your free copy of VRO if you haven't already got that as part of your uh, vSphere installation and go to town. And you also have the we installation guide for, VR, for a full-blown VRA as well, implementation as well. Uh, we, we, we will. Um, we're a little behind okay. in the documentation. Of that typical VMware product uh, type of release, we're chasing ourselves on on one side or another, but uh, we're pretty close to releasing that. Maybe a couple of days, much as maybe a week so or two. So ultimately, if I'm going to be using the supply, to be using the landscape management, the adapter, I have to have VRO in some form, whether attached yep. to VRA or attached to vCenter. It makes no difference. I need VRO. That's correct. Yeah, it's a key okay, component. That's fine. Of the you need to. Now, how many people, when they look at their VRL that have already been using it, how much more is this adding into it? Is it just yet another set of workflows that if I see them, I shouldn't touch, or if I do see them, can I tweak them? Uh, yep. Yeah. So we deploy all our workflows at the time we connect up and configure, and we deploy them into a separate folder so you can see them all. We keep them all in open text so you can actually go in and take a look at them. If you do want to augment them, um, have at it. Uh, the only thing we say there is we, we don't support any workflows that have been edited. That's up to the user to support those workflows. But we support all the workflows that we've actually put in. And I think there's probably about, probably just a little less than a dozen workflows we put in there. Okay. Great. We now, handle all the main. What, I mean, are, is there security as part of this workflow? Setting up the, uh, and if I have NSX, you detect that, and you can set up the right edge or DFW rules, 
or no, that's what? Not, that's not part of the work. That's not part of the workflows today. Um, that's actually something that we we're going to explore uh, now that we're into the VRA site. We're going to start to explore other things that customers want us to do, whether it's around security, deploying networks, uh, IPAM, DNS, all that stuff. But we're, we're just okay. we're just embarking upon that now. How does in this the, work? The, if I already have an infrastructure and I've already done some of this heavy lifting already. Can I take uh, what I've already done and then translate it into what you guys have? Can you read what I have and import it? Uh, I, I, I don't think there would be too many problems with that. I, we probably would work pretty seamlessly with anything that you've already done. Uh, although the amount of SAP automation you can do would be very limited outside of what we actually provide. The SAP system is not something you want to go and uh, mess around with uh, unless you're using SAP tools. Uh, you can break an SAP system really easily, and it takes a long time to fix it if you go do that. Oh, of course, I'm thinking about for people that already have SAP, already starting to do this on their own. Yeah. You know, they got a yeah, whole bunch would... of workflows. They don't, I mean, a whole bunch of work they don't want to lose. They find out about this and say, oh, I could use that. It's smarter. Now they have to take all that work and translate it over. Or do you guys have PSO engagements or anything to help people do that? Yeah, we do have PSO engagements. We work with a PSO partner that we've uh, been uh, had engaged with us for uh, the better part of four years, and uh, they actually do a lot of our services work. Um, to to bring in existing SAP work around automation, we do that all the time. As you can imagine, there's uh, customers out there that have had long for you know four, five, six years. Yeah, that's going to be my question. Right? Yeah. In, in, in this sense, like we, you, know, you always have brownfield, greenfield environments where, you know, if I'm sitting and I'm running on a, a, a still a mainframe and I'm starting this project where I'm going to go to City 6 hardware and then make this transition, yeah. then, you know, maybe I'm considering VMware solutions, you know, to virtualize yeah. the whole infrastructure. And if I haven't gone down this road yet, I might decide I want to use VRA. And this allows me to do that orchestration and then work through the LVM to do yeah, this. For sure. There are other people that have already started down this path that are using LVM, yeah. and maybe the benefit of maybe they're virtualized and they're using the LVM to 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 deal with that. Is there is there use cases where you would see moving to VRA in order to run things in a VRA environment because I've got other you know virtualized virtualized yeah. environments that I'm controlling, and so therefore I want to run it all in VRA. Um, have you seen movement from, I think, in this to Edward's point, moving from LVM up the stack to VRA to start doing some of this control? Yeah, absolutely. That's part of our maturity model, what we call our journey for our customers. Uh, you're right, a lot of our customers are still using mainframes or power systems and things like that. Um, there are adapters that talk directly to storage for LVM that we don't make, but that other partners make. And so a lot of customers are transitioning from using that traditional model over to using the VMware adapter model. Um, today, SAP customers are doing that. And they're using that transition model to help accelerate you know, that, that adoption of that uh, new technology, moving uh, things around in their brownfield environment in that way. And, and obviously, bringing vRealize automation to bear again some of the use cases they want. So you can imagine as you're doing this digital transformation, there's a lot of training activity and there's a lot of development activity that actually happens as you're trying to move from that legacy platform onto the new platform. And this really adds to the, the benefit of that. So you're being able to stand up those environments on demand, push the 
the deployment of those environments right out to the as far to the front line as you possibly can. It's really important and relieve the stress of the basis guys, the VMware administrators from having to constantly be deploying virtual machines and things in a manual nature. Um, Hyperconverged versus traditional architectures, are we seeing you know some adoption? A lot of mainframe stuff, and there's there's uh, uh, this goes through a pretty traditional adoption profile, and SAP customers go pretty slowly, but we are we have seen customers uh, talking to us about Cloud Foundation uh, as, as an option uh, and obviously VSAN for storage, but sure. it's too early days for us. You know, if a, if a typical customer takes a, a year to adopt the new technology, the typical SAP customer takes about uh, twice as long or three times. But it's fine. It's a it's a slow journey, but it's a very consistent journey. Edward, uh, any questions from you? I, I know you always have to jump in and break in, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll also take a pause here as well. <laughs> That's fine. Um, so I was thinking about this. I mean, the whole ground brownfield versus greenfield. I mean, SAP is really brownfield. So I'm glad you guys have thought about that. Um, I know there's a bunch of greenfield, but further on, I mean, is this going to be integrated with VCF? Are you guys looking at a, a, a vRealize operations integration here so that people can see the health of their environment? Do you guys have integration with VRLI, a content pack that people can see how things are going, where it's broken, things like that? So there already is integration with VRO through a, a management pack that's actually made by another partner of ours called Bloomador. And we work okay. a lot with Bloomador, my team and, and their team. Uh, we're on calls usually once or twice a month talking about different initiatives we're working on together. Obviously, our focus is more on automation, theirs is on operations, but there's a lot of synergy that happens between the both of us. We want to make sure that the systems that we're standing up are getting into VRO, or, or sorry, VROPS, and, uh, and that they're being seen correctly. Um, we don't have anything on the login site side yet, but uh, I understand our colleagues at Bloomador have been thinking about that, and we'll, we'll work with them where we need to in order to do that. We, we're working on some concepts around uh, tracking transactions, and, and when I talk about transactions, I'm, I'm talking about SAP transactions, and we think that's uh, important for us to be able to do some things down the line. I don't want to share a lot around that because obviously it's, it's early development days, but at some point I'll come back and I'll tell you about it all the exciting things we can do around uh, transacting on, a, on an SAP system and how we can automate some of the cool things around that. On the, in, in the side of cloud, uh, you know, Edward mentioned VirtuStream and others are, you know, sure. now I just pop back up the stack a little bit and go like, so where do we see SAP in the cloud story? Um, do we see people starting to, to expand capacity out into cloud environments? Uh, a, a little bit. I mean, we, we we do see customers that are looking at that as options for their non-production environments. Again, think uh, training systems, test systems to a certain degree, and then some early project type systems they're looking at putting those in clouds. Um, one of the bigger stories around that is more actually in the DR space and using cloud as a DR location mm, for right. SAP environments, uh, where maybe that customer has data centers that are in um, environmentally uh, sensitive areas for uh, some type of natural disaster. So they'll go to a DR center that's uh, you know a thousand miles away or something like that. Um, so we're seeing that. We, we do have a, a handful of customers that are starting to explore um, production SAP and things like Virtustream, um, AWS, and stuff like that, but they're, they're very early days. Um, 
you can imagine now you're, you're talking about all the dollars and cents or all the heartbeats for you know whatever your organization is you're going to be extremely uh, uh, critical of where you're going to land that okay I know that uh, I, I looked at some of the slide decks that you guys have on the, in this space and you know the I, I have to smile because you're they're talking uh, you know, days to minutes, you know, and how long have we been in virtualization where we've heard days to minutes, right? Yeah. So I, I assume a lot of some of this, some of this is just bringing these people along into the virtualization story that you start seeing these, these savings. Um, I don't know if our architecture or anything we've developed also adds to that savings, or is the savings more just traditionally moving people to, you know, an SDDC implementation that, that you know, you find those savings, i.e. rapid deployment, uh, yeah. less manpower because it's automated, um, that stuff. Okay, so on one hand, I totally agree with you that, that, yeah, I mean, some of the benefits that we're bringing are directly related to um, what we've done with virtualization for a better part of, you know, more than a decade now. but. In the SAP land, uh, with SAP customers, we do these things called uh, system refreshes, or we want to stand up new tiers of infrastructure. And it, it takes, on average, an SAP team, you know, 90 to 120 days to stand a new tier of infrastructure. That's a really long time, and they take a very traditional look at it. So there's a lot of installation of code, getting systems, whether it's hardware or virtual based. Um, going through a lot of uh, um, uh, admission control, um, authentication issues, governance, risk, and compliance. There's a lot of process wraps around it. And automation really streamlines that quite a lot. So we're adding what seems like old news to VMware, because we do this all the time, is actually really new news and exciting news to the SAP guys, because they're not able to do this uh, prior to now. They weren't able to get the speed out of it that, that we can with Llama and with the adapter, so it's it's, it's revolutionizing what they're able to go into. Yeah, I guess I've I've lived this because I've run a data center before, you know, with major apps. And sure. one of the other challenges you have here is this is just not about spinning up more production capability, more VMs, more compute resources. Mm -hmm. This is about running your business. It's kind of okay. like you're riding, driving, you're flying the airplane while you have to do an upgrade to the airplane, That's right? right? And, yeah. and that also creates challenges, which then slows down this lead time That's of right. making it happen. That's right. The idea of having virtualized Intel platforms probably helps there because you just have an easier time of right. standing up new capacity than, you know, figure out how you're going to do this. Yeah, you can stand up capacity on demand. You know, I always use the analogy. Imagine if you're in a marketing organization, you're responsible for, you know, producing the ad for the toy that's going to sell around Christmas time. And you, uh, you're coming up on Black Friday. Do you know if you have enough infrastructure there to support SAP at the time that all the orders are going to come in? Do you know that or not? And a lot of times marketing companies will go in and, you know, retail companies will go and they'll, they'll pre-stage a lot of these environments, this infrastructure ahead of time. And if they got the greatest toy in the world, A, did they get enough? Or if the opposite, do they not have the greatest toy in the world for Christmas and now they got a dud and they bought all of this hardware to go support the campaign? Imagine being able to do that all in an automated fashion now. And we can do that where you can have the infrastructure there in your data center. You can consolidate that non-business critical infrastructure and, and either power it down or you know, compress it by uh, allowing over subscription for it in that critical, you know, Black Friday window. 
and then you are automatically deploying SAP infrastructure to support the campaign as it's ramping up. So in this scenario, bringing it back to kind of a product concept, you're allowing VROPs to drive the automation solution by examining the data center and watching it grow. And as it grows and hits a certain threshold, you deploy what we call SAP application center uh, servers. You, de- you uh, scale out your database nodes and you scale up the solution to support the actual activity. And then once it's after, uh, you know, the Saturday morning or whatever, you start trailing down those systems on the other side. Most, uh, it reminds me of when I go, when I go to the Salesforce annual conference, right? And you look at all these business owners, and we're used to tech and IT where, you know, people were talking to really smart, right? All our IT practitioners are really smart. Sure. When you start looking at broader businesses, right, you have different skill levels uh, with, with people. Some of these people just turnkey mainframes and they just consume it. And IBM was the one that set it all up and managed it. And they just write a check and they don't understand. Right. They don't have the, the technical capacity to, to absorb this stuff, right? right. Um, then others start dipping their toe into it. But I got to imagine they must be looking at this. You know, a lot of these businesses are going like, this is just a whole new world for us. It's right? a whole brand new world for them. That's what I'm. That's what I'm indicating, right? So we're bringing a lot of this technology to people who've never seen it before, and we're changing their minds about how they can actually operate their business. Now, I talked to a customer last week that does a system refresh, and that's where you take your production SAP system and you copy it to what we call our QA environment. You do a lot of quality assurance testing around new code in that environment. They do that once a year, and they're looking at our technology and saying. Oh, oh my goodness! We we can now do that once a week if we want, and that radically yeah. changes the business. To you and me, that doesn't sound like a significant exercise, right? It's just copying tables. Right. But to them, that means for the very first time, if business changes on a Monday morning and they want to go and sell a new product, they can do a system refresh of their SAP environment, you know, Tuesday morning, and have a whole new development environment ready for them to go and do testing on. They couldn't do that before. Well, they, they would have to take. They'd have to take downtime in order to be able to go and do that system refresh. And they're not willing to take that downtime in an SAP business. We're offering them the option to be able to go do that live. Yeah. But you, you. Let's take that a step further. I mean, have you guys thought about plugging this stuff into a copy data platform? I mean, you're talking about copying data. A copy data platform is yeah. exactly what that does, and being able to log it and track it would be a really good compliance requirement and other means of knowing where your data is. And That's right. furthermore, as we go to more and more clouds, can this can your tool actually connect all my clouds together so that I'm deploying using VRO, VRA, a virtual stream instance of that refresh or a Azure instance or a, something inside of VCF, especially the new Amazon connector or something in software which already exists, Bluemix, sorry. When you start talking about that, I really want your tool to plug into a copy data solution or to have that capability so I know where all my data is at any given time. You're talking about some companies that are incredibly highly regulated. If they don't know that, they're not going to use it. Yeah, so we're already working on highly yeah, we're already working in some highly regulated industries, and these are the types of things that they're asking us. Can you go do do you know those use cases? Can you tell us where our data is at any given time? And then and for sure, we think these are things that we can absolutely do. Have we done it yet? No, but we're, we're I think we're still in 
you know, the uh, the early days of the things that we can potentially do with these this solution. But I see bright things in our future where we can manage that data across any cloud. We can burst SAP systems wherever you want. We can manage them wherever you want to have them land. And then we bring them back and back in-house or send them to another data center if you want. My suggestion, don't recreate the wheel. Use something that already exists. There's a number of copy data solutions that can hold this data. Yeah, but we're big fans of doing that anyway. We, we won't recreate something if we don't have to. So I know we're running, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Um, we got a little bit of a late start, so I might run a little bit over, maybe not. Um, the thing I want to touch on before we get to the end of the show is how, you know, some of these IT practitioners, you know, are running their own consulting practices, right? That's, a lot of our experts do that. Um, we've always struggled with SAP because it seems to be a heavy investment to get to scale up and learn about SAP. Right. So a couple things that we might get in, started learning about this stuff, especially now that VMware has a product in the market, it's good for us. I will just shout out, there is a hands-on lab, right? So um, you can go take that. It's lab 2932. So go to the catalog on labs.hol.vmware.com, HOL, and look for 2932, and you can you can do a lab. What Have you done the lab? What does the lab do? Uh, I helped create the lab. So you did? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. That, yeah wasn't, that wasn't a loaded question. I, I didn't yeah. know. So, <laughs> okay. That's so fine. what do you learn from the lab? Um, you get to go through a feature walkthrough of the actual product itself and see all the different use cases that it handles, like uh, stopping and starting an SAP system, cloning an SAP system, moving an SAP system around in the data center, so uh, doing a vMotion to an SAP system, doing storage vMotion, changing the network, um, all of our base use cases are, are all in there. Um, another site that you might want to go to is the featurewalkthrough.vmware.com. We have an SAP on SCBC option on that site as well. And then just recently, as of last week, we posted four YouTube videos to our ICP channel on YouTube for VMware, and uh, we show off the new uh, functionality of the adapter there around the solution. So we show you things like an overview of the solution, um, what you can do for day zero, uh, what you can do for day one, and what you can do for day two. And think of day zero as uh, deploying, day one is running and scaling it out, and day two is managing the solution. Got lots of options for you, and then obviously there's our landing page as well, where you can get access to everything you want. Yeah, so HOLs have been a kind of a godsend for the bigger, complexer test environments where you don't have to go do that. So in the HOL lab, just to be clear, you spin up a SAP instance, right, or something that then you can interact and do. Um, well, we 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 had to come up with a more creative way to actually tackle it because, as you can imagine, SAP systems are really large and very complex and but I hear stories that it takes like 25 servers just to get a basic <laughs> SAP instance up and It doesn't take run. 25 servers, but it's going to take, uh, you can do everything in what we call a single stack, but that's a really big monster VM at that point. Uh, more likely you're going to have uh, probably uh, four or five virtual machines that make up the SAP. All right, well, that's interesting to know. So if I wanted to go, you know, start playing with SAP, five virtual machines, I could start, you know, deploying you could, something. You're going to have some pretty severe memory uh, requirements, requirements on this. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and we have multiple machines, right? So we we, yeah. we can do that. So it is possible. Does SAP even get get you know give you access to some of the software without buying and setting up a license, or do they have any program like that? Like we give all the the experts free licenses to sure. our software. I don't know if SAP does anything like that. I mean, you might not know, but they, they, yeah, I, I do know. But they have various programs depending on what it is you're trying to do. 
Um, if you're just trying to demo the software out there, if you, if you go to um, scn.scp.com, I think you can register for a free account that will give you access to like trialware and stuff like that you can download. Um, they'll also point you to things like uh, what they call the uh, cloud platform um, for SAP, and you can uh, check out systems there. And then AWS actually has systems where you can go check out their stuff there as well, all, all for free. Okay. There's lots of options. If you want to play around with uh, some of the newer technology, the HANA technology, they just released a, uh, a new version of HANA 2.0 that comes in uh, what they call an express version, and you can actually run that on a 16-gigabyte uh, laptop. So if you want to play around with the database, you can, you can obviously install it on your MacBook or you can install it on a Windows uh, PC. It's got to okay. that on a memory. Edward, top of the hour, any questions you would like to ask before we uh, wrap up? No, I, I mean I think you're you're being you're going in the right direction. I, I like the fact that you're thinking about copy data. You're thinking about adding security features. Um, that's a big win, specifically for an SAP-based environment, which is generally highly controlled, considering no, the data awesome. holds. I'm so, glad to hear that. I like. To, Are you a fan? I'd like to see more of that. <laughs> No, he's not a fan. Eric, I, 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 I think all of us are like oh. SAP. What 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 do we offer from an SAP perspective? I think we when we talked about you coming on the show, we we do a, a meeting where we talk to you know virtually an email. We we start a thread on the next sure. show and yeah. we're all talking like what is this? <laughs> like and we're all googling it trying to figure out what is that. So a lot of our traditional you know. Vsphere, NSX, VExpert kind of people have not stepped into SAP, but then some have, right? Mm -hmm. So oh, um, some but, of us have in the past, yeah. in a past life. Yeah. But the main thing is, is that SAP is used by a number of different industries. It is extremely hard to do anything to change that environment. Those that have started much, much earlier than now, those that haven't are still waiting to do so. And I now would say that, they have to. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, but I, I would say that you, you know most IT practitioners in their career, if they've been around for a little bit, have probably experienced or been related to some type of an SAP project. You just can't be in that number of customers and and have that, that wide range of uh, influence on the world in general and not run into an SAP environment somehow. So you've, you've been supporting it in some form or fashion. But Probably not as directly as we have. All right. Well, we're at the top of the hour, and I do want to do a shout out to Katie Bradley on the VMT launch. So it's been really interesting. I find it enlightening when I get to learn new things about you know spaces that I haven't spent much time on. So thanks, thanks for coming on the show, and thanks for writing a product and you know going through that duration of taking code that you kind of put together for one thing and then productizing it and then spending as much time as you have. You know, becoming an expert in building because I, you know, birthing a new product it takes years of dedication. So we appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm a I'm a father and a grandfather, and I, I like to say I have two grandchildren, a grandson, and the VMware adapter for yeah. SAP Llama. That's 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 how it goes. At least as long or longer than yeah, that. Right. Well, you don't look like a grandfather. You must have started really young, man. You look you look you look. But this guy does not look like a grandfather sitting next to me. So good, yeah, good cool. Canadian water. Uh, I'm I'm due up. My 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 oldest son is now engaged. He's 25. So we'll see if I get there. Katie Bradley, are you still on the call? Yeah, I'm on the call. 
Katie, um, I, the new VMTN Jive 8 got announced, uh, re- released last weekend. Uh, things seems blazingly fast. Uh, Two-second lo- page loads on all the VMTN pages now. That's way better than it was uh, four or five months ago when you started, or six months ago, or eight months ago when you started. So uh, shout out some- to the... Yeah. Go yeah, ahead. we've had some great feedback on performance, some great feedback on the new search. We've got Spotlight Search now, so it's very helpful because VMTN is definitely a, um, a monster of content. So, yes, I encourage all listeners to go check it out. Thanks, Eric. Yeah, very, very nice. Uh, the search, i got to say, the search on VMTN. So for you, those of you who are listening uh, in your car or whatever, if you haven't been to VMTN in the last year, or in the last, you know, really, two or three days, or even the last week or two, you should probably go check out VMTN very fast. The search is amazing. Um, so the new search on VMTN is good, and the performance, we went from what I would call 8-second to 12-second to sometimes 16-second page loads on some of the VMTN communities. To I can't find one that takes longer than 5 seconds to load, right? And then most of them, the front page loads in a second and a half, two seconds. We've got people in Germany testing it. So Katie, thanks for doing the, uh, and the people that are working with Katie on doing performance testing across the globe. I appreciate you doing that work and sending in all the data. It has helped us. Uh, we have made progress. And, you know, I, I feel, kind of feel guilty because, you know, before we had Katie in, we didn't spend much time looking at the performance. But, Katie, now that you've been here and working on that and also working on the Warrior program, uh, I would say that you know, VM10 is really a fun place to go hang out now. It's way faster, love search. And I love even the profile stuff you can put together on your profile, on following more people on the platform. So really good work on that, really fun. Yeah, thanks, and more good, more good stuff to come there. And we're releasing a blog on Monday um, all about the new features. So beyond search and beyond performance, we've also got a brand-new mobile platform. So, so even if you're, you know, listening to this, walking around or parked somewhere waiting or something, go on your phone, visit communities.vmware.com. It looks great. It's fast on your phone as well. Um, yeah, it's good stuff all around. Yeah, I, w- I, w- I would say that I've been watching the answered questions for some right and I would say that we're seeing more people interacting the questions are getting answered quicker uh, so and now the mobile fair and I have been on my mobile um, it allows you to get at the questions and answer questions so uh, if you're bored and you're just tired of sitting on Twitter come on over to VM10 and you know go into a community and answer a couple of questions it, it makes you feel good at the end of the day so good work there and yeah. I guess we're out of time. Thanks a lot for being here on the show, everyone. Uh, we appreciate the, the people that are here live. And um, we'll see you again next week. Tommy, do we know who's on next week? I believe we do. It's a VP talking about cloud native apps. I don't know his name. That's right. Yep. Paul Fazone. Paul Fazone is going to be on next week. We're going to talk about the new release of Photon, what they're doing over in CNA. Should be kind of fun. Uh, if you can drop by live at 12 noon, if not, it will see you on your on, in the in the podcast uh, in in iTunes. If if you can't be live, no problem. We'll see you again next week. Thanks everybody, and uh, I'm gonna hit the big red stop button now. <laughs>